what you have <laughs> Biggie Velvet. Bo Dackel. This guy's amazing. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKillen, with me, as always, this time in the flesh, Kelly Eco, our beat writer for the Houston Rockets, for the Athletic. I'm literally sitting right next to Kelly. It's rare this happens. We are doing this right after the Rockets' big win over the Lakers, 121-111. But before we get started, Kelly, how you doing? You know, I love my L.A. trips, but this was... Fantastic game of basketball to watch. Both teams played hard, and uh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, that, that's it. That's it. We're done, guys. We'll talk to you later. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding, folks. Just kidding. This was the first game where we had Robert Covington for the Rockets. Uh, Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, but he arrived today. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. He got in at about twelve thirty this morning. He had like four hours to pack. After the trade went down, he had to get to Houston, do his tests. Took the, the, the last flight out of Houston to, to Los Angeles. Uh, didn't have that much time. Kind of had to go through a crash course with the Rockets coaches on schemes and stuff like that. And then, voila, he had to just get in the game and, and, and kind of figure things out on the fly. But as you can see, it kind of worked out for him tonight. Yeah, and, you know, the, the big thing, too, we're going to get into the details of tonight's game, but we should probably talk a little bit about the trade that brought him in. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's pretty big is the Rockets moved Clint Capella. They sent him to Atlanta. They got Covington. What are the, some of the other details of the trade? I'm getting old, and there were too many trades today, so I can't remember them all. So what were some of the details of the trade? Um, it was an unprecedented 14, 12-player trade. You know, a lot of moving parts. Denver got involved. The Timberwolves got involved. Atlanta got involved. But the most important thing was that Daryl Morey got his man. It's something that, you know, when you look at analytics models, even going back to whenever he was in Philadelphia, you can see why he was such a highly sought-after wing. You know, obviously that there's a chance, because he's been talked about so much, he uh, might have been a bit overhyped just from the – everyone was talking about him like he was the next Scottie Pippen. <laughs> But just seeing how they got him and it kind of signified that, you know, my my biggest nightmare, <laughs> small ball, full-time small ball and Mike D'Antoni's sick experiment, but it kind of signified that they're going full throttle and eventually, you know, could this be how more NBA teams play? I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to go that far yet. One thing, though, too, about Covington and this trade is this also takes them out of the tax for yeah. this year. I think there's a little bit of that incentive in that sense. There was a talk for a while that they had a chance to – they could have added another piece yeah. uh, in, in with the trade and, and with the trade exception that was being put together, but it ended up – they ended up just standing pat with that. I know uh, you reported earlier yeah. that they were in on a, trying to go after a couple of Eastern Conference centers. Can, can you touch on that real quick? Yeah, um, just in the past 48 hours, you know, with me talking to team, team execs, they, they felt like they were pretty close on two, two distinct possibilities. Um, they obviously inquired about Christian Wood. They obviously inquired about Tristan Thompson. There were a couple others. But as you know, with this time of the year, trade talks are always fluid and things can – it could be it could be closing in at eight oh one and eight oh three. You know 
they stall. So they they kind of pivoted to uh, Bruno Caboclo, a guy that they've actually wanted for months now. So it's not like they just it, – it's a guy that, that they – if they could if they could have had him a few months ago, then they wouldn't even be in the situation. But they, they brought him in, and I was talking to one of the guys today, one of the team execs, and he kind of said, look, like, there were – there were, there were two good chances we had. We didn't get them, so now we have to pivot to the buyout market. Right, and so now it'll be interesting to see how the buyout market plays out for them. But let's talk now about the big thing, which is how Covington's going to fit in with the Rockets. You touched on it already. That's it, guys. We're going full small ball. I mean, just so you know how full small ball we're going, James Harden was tipping off against Anthony Davis tonight against the Lakers. So uh, they're fully committed to this. That's it. Nobody bigger than 6'7 is allowed to play on this team. Uh, Tyson Chandler sitting on the bench. We have Isaiah Hartstein sitting on the bench. If you're, you know, the it's like Disneyland. You know, you're too tall to ride this ride. And right now, these guys all seem to be too tall. Um, talk, I mean, just first impressions. We've seen them play small ball. We've seen them yeah. playing well with small ball this, this past week or so. But talk about your impressions from this game so far and your first impressions of uh, Robert Covington, who, who had a great night tonight. Just to give you a quick rundown of his numbers, he had 14 points, 4 or 7 shooting from 3, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, overall, it was just phenomenal. Two steals and two blocks. Just great all around. Talk about that from what you saw. What's your impression so far? I think that Covington, in a lot of ways, he's exactly what they needed. You know, in a perfect world, obviously, you wouldn't have to give up Clint to get that kind of piece on your team, given they 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 haven't had it since Ariza left in 2017. But just his length, being a defensive playmaker, being in the right spot at the right time, seeing plays ahead, you know, two, three plays ahead, stealing post passes, you know, defending from Avery Bradley to Anthony Davis in between LeBron, hitting timely threes. I think you can see why the Rockets wanted him so badly. Now, the small ball, obviously there will be times where it looks really bad when JaVale McGee is turning and laying up the ball. Dwight Howard is acting like there's no there. LeBron and AD are throwing alley-oops to each other. That that will be a regular occurrence as the season goes on because obviously with you being so undersized, it's just a natural thing. If someone's bigger than you, they're going to finish over you. Like I don't care how good of a post defender you are. If somebody's bigger than you, they're going to finish the ball over you. But with that being said, the Rockets coaches told me that their new onus is – forcing turnovers. If you looked at their, their four-game win streak, I think they're, four, they're a plus 45 in turnovers, something like that. And the two keys to the game for them and going forward in small ball, Mike D'Antoni has preached this. It doesn't matter how many more rebounds they have. Mind you, they only lost the battle by one today. Yeah. But uh, he only cares about second chance points and giving up points in transition. And if you can control those two parts of the game and also hit your shots and force turnovers, then small ball can work. But I mean, I wouldn't draw too many conclusions from this game because it's one game. Uh, who knows how it'll look in the future. But Covington played great, and the Rockets played hard. Right, and, you know, I think from what I saw from Covington, I mean, it, it was we talked about it at halftime. I said, this is Covington. This is the type of stuff he does, and this is why he was so valuable. And at the contract he has, it's uh, a great, great asset to have on that team. So it's uh, it's pretty awesome. The size thing is really what threw everybody off. And before we get to talking so much about small ball, we also got to talk about the game Westbrook had. Freaking phenomenal tonight. 41 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, did have 8 turnovers, which is 
kind of crazy. It's also but, kind uh, of Westbrook. Yeah, but it's Westbrook, exactly. And 17 to 28 from uh, from the field. Only shot two threes, which is, again, continuing that trend of him just not shooting a lot of threes and, and really attacking the rim. I thought he was great. I thought he did a good job pushing in transition. Uh, the Rockets outscored the Lakers 26 to 18 in transition. I mean, they were out and running. Like, this was a pretty impressive game, and I felt like a lot of it stemmed from Westbrook really attacking every time the Lakers doubled Harden. And look, you know, with this whole movement to small ball full-time, if you really think about it, it's really because the Rockets have preached for months they want to play to Russia's strengths. And his strength is attacking in transition, attacking in open space, and he needs space to operate. If they felt like Capella was getting in the way, you could see why they would want to move away from that. Now, with that being said, the biggest thing for me in this game is if you look at the shot-taking discrepancy between Russ and the next highest guy. He took 26 shots. The next guy took what, what, maybe 10? 10. 10. And that's a factor of two things. One, the Lakers are going to obviously double Harden. But two, they're obviously going to keep their bigs at the rim, knowing that Russ is going to drive, which puts Russ on the – it gives him an onus to take those mid-range shots that maybe, you know, the Rockets don't really want, but he has to take those shots. Today he made them consistently, and that's going to be a big thing going forward because a lot more teams now, with them being aware of Russ's, you know, ability to get to the paint, they're going to want to keep more bigs at, you know, hold them back in pick and roll situations or just in general. So can Russ continue to hit those shots consistently over the next couple of games? We'll see. But I think tonight he was fantastic, just him having to – carry the offensive load for the majority of the game and, and just having to keep them, you know, doing the ebbs and flows of it. Yeah, I mean, everything you said is pretty much spot on with, with what you're going to hope you're going to get from Russ kind of going forward and into that stretch run. So let's touch about – let's talk about small ball here a little bit because this is – listen, Rocket fans, get used to this. This is what you're going to see pretty much the whole way through till the end of the season, and I'm sure – then I'm sure it'll be reevaluated after that. But, you know, for me, the one thing I look at it, it's like I just don't buy it'll work in the playoffs. I find it in the regular season, I think it's something else. I think it puts – let me put it this way. No team's going to be used to having seen this, and they're not going to have been able to game plan as much as you would in the playoffs where I think they'll be able to take more advantage of it. What's your What's your – look at that you know and your your feel for that I mean it's only been a few games obviously this has been the one game with Covington um so we haven't gotten a full sense of it of you know this this is a high this is what Covington can look like pretty much at his best knocking down shots I think he hit two of the biggest shots tonight to really kind of put the game away also hit a huge corner three on Anthony Davis that was like when he shot it I was like oh okay um go get it Cove but uh you know, what's your view of the, the small ball going forward? I know we're, we, we've been turning a little bit going after how it started in the beginning of the season. It's, it's coming around a bit. And now with Covington, it looks like they've found a, a really solid piece there. What's your view of it? It's different. For me, it might be a bit two, three years too late, you know, with the Warriors and their, their death lineup. But it's interesting because it forces teams almost – Indirectly, it forces them to attack mismatches. And in theory, every possession is going to be a mismatch if you're going to play small. 
Uh, we saw the Lakers' offense kind of get disjointed at, at times in this game. It's going to be an experiment. Uh, like There will be times where it looks fantastic, when everything is going in and they're getting turnovers and getting out and running. And there are times where it's going to look terrible, like the second half of, a, of the Mavericks game, like the first half of, of the Pelicans game and the Hornets game and stuff like that. So it's not perfect. But then again, no system is. So if you want to go that route and say, you know, Mike D'Antoni is crazy, you know, feel free. I'm, I was on that train. I'm still not fully <laughs> off yet. <laughs> I'm not fully off yet. But, hey, uh, credit to him for trying something unconventional, you know, trying to get an edge. I, I agree with you in the playoffs, though. Once teams have enough film of this lineup, they're going to figure out some way to, you know, force – Houston to, you know, play more traditional. You know, the Clippers, the, the, the especially the Jazz, I think. <clears throat> Teams that have bigs who can make plays for others. Jokic, Gobert to an extent. But it's going to force the coaching staff of Houston to come up with ways to kind of counter that if they know it's coming. But it's early. They're winning. So I can't really say too much. Yeah, like, you know, when I look at it this way, like, I thought the Lakers offense did a terrible job taking advantage of, of the small ball line. You know, we all know they want to get, put the ball in the post, and that's what they should have done in this situation. But the way they did it was very stagnant. No movement, no action to get into it. When it did get into the post, nobody moved, nobody cut. It was one of those things where I was just watching it going like, wow, like, we're going to walk away going like, man, this small ball thing can really work. But I was like, but, man, they Lakers were pretty bad, pretty on offense the way they played it. So I'm not necessarily sure it it will work long term in that sense. I think it's uh, very gimmicky in, in that sense. And I don't mean that as an insult. Listen, I've always said it. I love that they're, they're swinging for it. They're, hey, we're going to just take a wild chance on it. Very much like the Houston Rockets. We're going to try to zig while everybody's zagging. The West has gotten bigger. Cool. We're going to go really small. But I think it's I think something you made a great point about it. Two or three years ago is really when this lineup would have been great. And I think that would have made a big difference for this Rockets team in their games against the Warriors. It's almost like they're still trying to match up against those Warriors. The ghost, the ghost of Warriors yeah, pass. the Ghost of Warriors pass and not really looking at what's going on now. And I think come playoff time, it's going to be a question of, you know, ideals and, and ideology and can they force their their will on the other teams. Like if they play the Jazz, you know, Rudy's going to have to guard in space and guard one of these guys, and that's going to be really difficult. But also, these guys are going to have to guard Rudy. And it's not necessarily in the post, but it's the offensive rebounds that he can get and the putbacks. You know, you said Coach D'Antoni's going to pay attention to transition baskets and, and, and second-chance points. Well, Rudy's going to hurt them potentially with second-chance points, and I think that's something that's going to matter. The other thing I do want to point out, they did a great job rebounding tonight, and that's key, and you touched on it. They, are, they only lost a battle by one, but they got re, you know, eight rebounds from Russ, uh, seven rebounds from Harden, six from Tucker, eight from Covington off the bench. Like They're going to need those kinds of efforts because that's what they're going to lose with Capella. Capella was a double-double guy consistently you know and, and he had some big big games against big guys and that was a big thing for this Rockets team I'm, I, I'm going to be really curious to see how they kind of play it all out and, and, and how this thing goes moves forward 
Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, if you're going small, you're going to need other guys to step up in other areas. Like you said, the rebounding is going to have to be a concerted collective effort from everyone. Um, I think Tabo Sefloja today, in the locker room, he was preaching quick feet and boxing out. The whole day, he was telling his teammates, quick feet and boxing out. And look, the Rockets have some things to do. You know, obviously they have to figure out the starting lineup because Covington's going to eventually start. Uh, who are you going to take out? Are you going to take out House? Are you going to take out Eric Gordon? You know, but in these kinds of games, you're going to need everybody, everybody's A game. That's kind of the, the bad thing about, you know, going small because it has to be almost perfect all the time. Where you kind of have some leeway with a, a, a double-double machine like Capella or any of the center. So I think going forward, you know, it's interesting to see how they react to certain games because every game is different, but it's a different challenge. So I want to see what they do when trouble comes because they haven't lost yet, but that loss is going to come at some point. So how are they going to react? Uh, who knows? They might go undefeated, Kelly. Don't sell them short, man. Don't <laughs> sell them short. I'm supposed to be the negative one on the podcast. Not games you. Thirty game winning streak. Yeah, but but uh, you know, there isn't much you can say when you know they've won four or five in a row. So let's see how it looks going forward. Perfect. I think that's a good spot to wrap up here. I think, guys, uh, I don't know if you can hear all the noises going on at Staples Center. Hopefully it hasn't been. I want to add one thing, though. Sasha has not hit us up not one time this week since she's been on vacation. I'm not going to be mad at her, dog, because if I when I go on vacation, ain't nobody hearing from me. So I'm not mad at her at all. Sasha, hit us up, man. She's taking her vacation. I bet she doesn't even listen to it until she gets back. I'm okay with it, Sasha. That was Kelly saying it. I'm all good. Make sure you make him sound bad on the next podcast and me sound great. Uh, what well, we do miss you, Sasha. We also want to give a shout-out to Mike Smeltz, who's done a great job helping us uh, while Sasha's been out as a producer, and he's been awesome. Uh, guys, I think that's it. I think we're going to try to do a mailbag coming up here pretty soon, so look for us on Twitter asking for questions uh, sometime in the next week or two. And uh, for Kelly Eco and for me, Mo DeKeel, Live at Staples Center. We out.